on GDC Podcast Episode 5, we got a special guest, Hannah Flynn. Hannah Flynn with Sunless Skies developer Fail Better Games. And she'll talk about marketing your indie game so people might actually buy it, maybe. Also stay tuned for the latest GDC 2020 news and hear opinions about 2019's best games. Back in a sec. Hey everybody, we're back. This is Chris Graft, Editor-in-Chief of Gamma Sutra, and I'm here with my co-host, Alyssa McAloon. Hey, Alyssa. Hi, I'm Alyssa McAloon. I'm news editor and associate producer. Producer? No, what is my job? Um, uh, yeah. Publisher. <laughs> Do you want to be a producer? <laughs> uh, no. <laughs> you got it. Just add it. Add it to your title. Uh, so, yeah, let's let's go right into some GDC news real quick before we bring on our very special guest. Uh, so GDC 2020 is coming up in March still, right? We haven't shifted the dates. Mere months away. Yeah, mere months. <laughs> I can't take it. This is like, uh, it's like three podcasts away. Oh, don't Two freeze podcasts time and podcast. <laughs> I've changed... Yeah, my perception of time into podcasts. So I hope that's a acceptable unit of measurement. Uh, yeah, uh, it's coming up March 16th through 20th, 2020. Get that year right, 2020. Registration is open at gdconf.com, and we would love to see you there. I, we would. It would be nice, wouldn't it? No, we it's actually a lo- have, lovely atmosphere. It is a lovely atmosphere. I mean, it has been for the past, what, 31 years? Thir- it's been 35? nice. Something like that, yeah, yeah. A uh, hundred? <laughs> the century? This is the hundredth GDC? Yeah. yeah. We have some honestly really exciting wit. We're finally starting to talk about the talks that are going to be there. So, have, uh, Alyssa, have you heard of this game called Death Stranding? The walking simulator. Yes, I'm familiar. Is it? I thought it was a stepping and falling simulator. <laughs> yes, walking. <laughs> dropping your packages all over the place simulator uh but uh there's going to be a talk uh deconstructing the ai of death stranding that's going to be there it's going to be great there's also a little uh little app called apex legends uh known around uh, gamma sutra's hallways as ape legs but more formally <laughs> as uh, respawns apex legends uh so yeah there's a post-mortem on that come on down for that and uh last one i'm going to mention although there are so many others that are live on the site right now uh, on gdc's website right now there is going to be one on the uh the ashtray maze in control what do you think of that Alyssa? i haven't beaten control yet uh but that i I watched someone play that part and it is visually stunning so i can only imagine the making of that has to be wild yeah i mean watching watching games nowadays it counts as playing i think so you have played the ashtray maze so dang dang yeah um yeah and, and then lastly uh there are uh a bunch of alt control gdc this is uh these are these are games that have G- these really wacky alternative controls this includes a this year there's going to be a cow milking competitive cow milking simulator there i've seen uh i've seen it in pictures 
and it's exactly what you would think it would look like kind of like rubbery udders there and you uh go up against your friend and you mug a cow Alyssa and i are actually we were raised in the midwest so i think we would be pretty good it'll be a nice little sense of home i think in the, the middle of a cr- uh, crowded convention floor is just uh, some udders and a pail yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> <laughs> and then l- last of all you can um for our uh our uh, potential GDC guests uh, who need some financial help. We also have a what we call a low income pass lottery, which you can apply for. So check that out on the gdconf.com website. So on to our guest. Uh, she is director of comms. That is short for communications, I think, mm-hmm. at Fail Better Games, uh, where she has worked on Fallen London, Sunless Sea, that is singular, not Sunless Seas, Sunless Sea, as well as Sunless Skies, plural. She also came up with a really cool uh, campaign last year, uh, the hashtag Love Indies campaign, which we'll talk about. She is a marketing guru in the game industry um, and in the pa- in her past life in a past life she worked in book publishing art and charitable causes she is a past and future gdc speaker and she's spoken at a bunch of other places sharing her knowledge it is hannah flynn hey hannah hello thank you that was the warmest introduction i've ever had on a podcast <laughs> you know that I, f- I feel like it was the warmest one that i've given and extremely accurate <laughs> yeah, Commendable. We, we pride ourselves in, in the facts here <laughs> on the GDC. Oh, fact finding research was worth it. And it's yeah. funny to think I am previously a speaker at GDC as well because I spoke at GDC Next. You did, yeah. But I watched I think, it. I'm really thinking of this one as my first go. I don't yeah. know. This, this is this, this is the big show. <laughs> this is the big show. Yeah. Yeah. One one of my favorite parts uh, about your GDC Next talk back in 2014, I think was that you were a little under the weather, and every time you coughed, uh, you asked the audience to applaud. Yeah. So it was the most <laughs> applause uh, that I've seen during the entirety of a, a GDC talk. I so think it was the last talk at GDC Next maybe ever. Um, yeah. I think I closed it out with a lot of applause, but yeah, I was quite yeah. sick. And I'd been in the industry for a total of uh, five weeks or something at the time. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. And you already knew so much that... <laughs> You had to tell everybody. I came in on a high. Yeah. I had a baby <laughs> in the middle, and now I'm back. You're back. All right. So give us a little bit of your background. You actually came to Fail Better Games from a non-games background. Yeah. I um, I don't even have game-based qualifications. I, I don't Me know neither. what I'm doing. Yeah. I don't know what I'm doing here. Um, I worked previously in film then in publishing for one of the biggest publishers in the world, if not the biggest, and then uh, for museums and galleries, um, digital team making games and interactivities for children and young people. And that's the biggest gallery in the UK. And then um, the biggest children's charity in the UK. And after a while of not really knowing any of my colleagues' names, uh, (laughs) I thought I'd quite like to work somewhere very, very small. And I joined Fail Better. I think I was employee number eight. Um, Number eight. uh, Yeah, at the time there were only eight of us. And that was much more my tempo and much more comfortable for me. 
um, not no longer having to try and curry favour with people in a different continent who you sort of have to guess at their email and you need them to do something for you in short order. Just uh, it's very stressful, very stressful. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, uh, gaming was less stressful than that. Weirdly enough, I joined in 2014, wow. right on the tail end of the first bit of Gamergate. It was less stressful than working for a children's charity. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I guess uh, counting my blessings there. Uh, yeah, so uh, it's I, I always like stories where uh, people come into the game industry after not being in it, because I know that a lot of people kind of are on the outside looking in and maybe think that they can't get in, um, or that their background won't benefit uh, uh, or is not transferable to a career in the games industry. So what... What informed, uh, how, how did your, your non-games work inform your current work in marketing and communications and games? Well, I've always worked across marketing and comms. So the beautiful part of that discipline is it's completely transferable. I could go and, and market Kitchen Cleaner if I felt strongly enough about it. Do you um, feel strongly enough no. about it? <laughs> okay. No. I, I, I'm looking at my kitchen right now and it is not clean. So uh, I don't think I'd be a good ambassador for that industry at all. Let the um, record show, yeah. It, because uh, comms and marketing is basically about uh, your audience and platform. It's about finding the one through the other. So when I arrived in, in games, I didn't really understand, say, live streaming. And I hadn't used tools like that before. But because I'd built audiences before and I understood a bit about human behavior and what people are looking for out of community um it's something that you can really apply so uh because getting into games is extremely competitive and because roles like mine are really very rare even within the small industry that we're in um it is slightly heartening i think for people to think i could do this for another business and learn and then take those skills plus my personal knowledge of games which I had and turn that into a role for myself somewhere, you know, working on something that I love, which is what I did. Yeah. I feel great. Like that kind of like accessibility has changed from like uh 2014 ish when you got started to like the current state of the industry, or is it about kind of the same? I think it is getting better partially because I've done a number of talks where I just had big letters on that said, hire a marketer, hire a marketer. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, how can I, can I curse? Yeah. <laughs> Never yeah. stopped us. Okay, I, I, I don't think go. Jesus Christ is a, is a curse. Well, word, I, I stopped myself halfway through Jesus Christ because I was thinking of something else. Um, <laughs> because uh, people, I think marketing is becoming something more and more studios need in order to get any traction um and people are really having to consider what is possible within what they have uh in terms of resources and and money obviously but also their ambition and how they can make something happen that matches the ambition they have for their games um that's very much changing the need for what i do is definitely increased but as felt better have been ahead of the curve on a few things and looked out on a few things and one of them I think was hiring a, a fully fledged full-time marketer uh, in 2014. Yeah can you uh, before we go on more about uh, the the marketing uh, details uh, can you tell us a little bit about what fail better does and uh, the kinds of games that that you all make there? 
Yeah, we we make um, really beautifully, exquisitely written, story-driven narrative RPGs um, that are heavily text-based. The most recent has more than 800,000 words in it, um, but primarily about giving extremely memorable, strange, oblique stories that you don't get anywhere else in games um, through a setting that we've been developing for 10 years that's called Fallen London. And all of our major games so far take place in this alternate history, Victorian Gothic universe that we created ourselves and is now absolutely massive. And and these games, uh, they've been quite successful too, because of you. Well, yeah, and because they're really good, which which helps. (laughs) (laughs) Um, You sort of have to have both. You have to have an exquisite product and then you have to sell the crap out of it. uh, there's no sort of getting away from you needing to do both of those things. The part of the reason that we're able to maintain and sustain our success is Fallen London, the original game, is a browser game um, that is still going. It's going to be 10 in January and mm. has a subscription model that supports it. It's free to play. Um, and we have, you know, X thousand subscribers still that enables us to take a few more chances and to have something to fall back on if one of the premium games that we make alongside Fallen London doesn't go so well. Um, so that is the, the bedrock of our business is this ongoing sort of um, games, game as service, uh, which enabled us to do a Kickstarter for Sunless Sea, which um, succeeded brilliantly in a different age on Steam. Um, when we launched Sunless Sea, we were on the front page of Steam for all Steam users for about four days, mm. <laughs> which <Wow>. which <laughs> is a big piece of pie, and you don't yeah. get pie that big these days, and <laughs> no. um, certainly not a game of our size. Um, and then that, in turn, enabled us to um, keep going, do another Kickstarter, create another early access title, which we launched this year, Sunless Skies, and which... Uh, for the glory of everything has been even more wonderfully warmly received um and i would say has sold sustainably well and we're very happy but um yeah the time the the difference between when we launched on the sea and when we launched on the skies is quite marked in terms of what you are um the audience you're able to reach yeah uh how about we just cut to the chase and i'll just ask you i'll just ask you uh how do you market an indie game like where where do you even start forming a marketing plan some people don't have one at all and don't know where to begin with conviction chris conviction. <laughs> you have to you have to believe that marketing the, your game is something that you need to do you have to start there um and i guess the answer to this this question comes differently if you are a person or two people or three people in a micro studio versus a team of 10 15 you know 25 people um if you have 25 people you don't have a marketer i'm afraid you've already made a few errors Mm. um (laughs) but if you're marketing something by yourself the way that you start is with a really good store page with a really good twitter and with a press list and a uh, press information um you commit to doing those things you nurture them and um you uh what's the word where you grow something and you cultivate it Mm. you cultivate those things start making a press list start day one by looking up a game that is a bit like what you want to make 
googling the reviews of that game, looking at the journalists who wrote those reviews, finding the journalists on Twitter, and saying, hey, I saw you liked X. I'm making Y. Can I put you on the press list? Could I send you a key? And do that until you have a list of people who are warmly interested in the sort of stuff that you make. And do a little bit of that every day. The big mistake is feeling like marketing is a big homogenous single activity thing that you can spend lots of money on and if you don't have any money you can't do marketing you can you just need to account for marketing time within your development time it is part of development it starts at the beginning of development Um, but it's people who ignore it because it is daunting that will miss out So you say it starts at, like, it starts day one with development. How do, like, a developer who's like, here's my project, here's my idea, here's the game we're going to make, we're starting today, what is, uh, what would be the actionable things that a marketer would do in that situation? I would ask them who it's for. Um, That gives you almost everything you need to know about what to do next. Mm -hmm. Uh, We know our audience super well because a lot of the core people who are with us now have been with us for... 10 years, 8 years since Fallen London was launched so we know where they live not in a creepy way we know <laughs> we know that they love to read, they love to feel clever they love mystery they love um, representative characters, diversity uh, we, we as far as we know were the first commercial RPG to have a third gender option at all um, mm. so we know that a lot of people are with us for that stuff um, and we do quite deep research with them. Um, we we sort of exist alongside them in our Discord and in our various community forum spaces. Um, but if you don't have that, then the first thing you need is to figure out if that audience exists. Mm-hmm. Um, doing research on uh, similar titles, establishing what you think the ambition for sales could reasonably be, um, and pitching yourself at a sort of sufficient level of, of activity, of marketing activity to grow a community that could support that type of sales level. Um, and being realistic about that stuff, um, finding a niche and being happy to be niche is kind of the the modern way. Mm-hmm. Uh, find an audience who will love it. 10 people who will love it is better than 50 people who think, meh. Mm. Yeah. so so like uh you're kind of i mean you're talking about market research here uh and you mentioned discord uh how do you collect uh this information how do you quantify it how do you use uh, all that data and information and apply it to development and marketing of a game Oh, cunningly, this is kind of what I'm covering in my GDC talk. Oh. Uh, yes. <laughs> so I'm doing a talk called um, Next Level Indie Game Marketing, um, mm-hmm. which goes into things like how do you use player data research and understanding and knowledge of your audience to inspire ideas that will work for your specific game. A big deal is being specific to mm-hmm. your thing. People oftentimes we'll look around and see these kind of big flashy splashy marketing ideas or or they think um, the first things that come to mind when you think of video game marketing is like massive announcements attached to big award ceremonies or huge side of bus or side of building advertising mm-hmm. 
but being very specific to the tone of your thing and the the information that you know about your audience is what enables you to narrow down and then you sort of put that through your mill and what comes out the other end is the idea that will meet those those wants and limitations that you have um a good example is the launch campaign for sunless skies we had um minimal advertising budget and we don't do a lot of advertising so we wanted to use that money in as constructive way as we possibly could and we knew all these different things about what we wanted to achieve we knew that the launch window was extremely short in which we could get enough public conversational and algorithmic interest in the game in order to uh, really when they say launch they mean you know punch through the atmosphere launch the thing um, and get that attention so we kind of narrowed absolutely everything into a 24-hour period um, we also knew from our understanding of our community that they are very charitably minded um, and we knew about our games from having already made Sunless Sea that we weren't probably going to get a lot of attraction with streamers we get some streamers but it's it's about specificity again. The people who really want to stream it are very, very few, but they will really go for it. They want to read all the words, they want to wear a top hat and, and have a little train whistle mm. and just go completely hard for it, which is amazing. But we wanted to combine all of these things and kind of bake them and, and construct them into something that would give us that launch velocity. So we did the Sunless Skies 10K challenge for which in the first 24 hours after we launched, we gave a pound per minute of streamed content to the gaming charity special effect, mm. um, aiming to get 10,000 minutes, hence the 10K challenge. And because it was charitable, original, um, it, it convinced people to stream it who might not otherwise have done so. And we actually ended up with about 28,000 minutes of streamed content in the first 24 hours, which was fantastic and was a big part of the reason why we we were able to chart on steam uh in that initial period stuff like that's so creative um do you feel like uh some developers who are kind of new to this are uh you know maybe they're you know they can come up with a good idea but are standoffish about trying something new like that i think it's really intimidating to do something like that yeah um, and I also think, like, if you can't afford to hire a marketer, then absolutely don't, because it will cost. Mm. But if you can afford consultancy, talking about your game in great depth with someone who doesn't understand it very well is a great way to find the points at which you can, like, convey exactly what it is. And, and a good marketer will be able to reflect back to you, like, oh, you have something there. You know, what do you mean people don't really want to stream your game? Oh, well, it's a load of setup and you get really breathless. They get people get tired of streaming it. Well, what if, you know, um, mm. it is really intimidating. Uh, but this is not to say that everybody should go away and do exactly what I did because it won't it won't necessarily work for another type yeah. of game. But yeah. it is about m mashing those things together and getting something new. Um, or even like involving 
creative idea generation tools at rolling a dice or something uh, to throw in some random elements until you get something that you think might work. Yeah. And you also last year uh, formulated the hashtag Love Indies campaign. Can you explain what that was all about? That was a success. Yes, it's been great. We've done it twice now. Um, Love Indies is... um, a campaign that goes across players, developers, and uh, platforms to basically encourage everyone to rate, recommend, and review indie games. Um, Mm. Because we all play games and we all sort of fail to review them, even if we really like them, it's a chore. Um, Mm. So we turned that that part of, uh, you know, you can't just keep tweeting, please review our games. Um, Please leave me a review, I really like it. Uh, it would be really nice if you like if you just keep saying the same thing over and over again. It doesn't get you anywhere. Mm-hmm. So I chewed on that for a little while, and it came to me that every developer has this problem. Um, so we reached out to a load of developers who we knew, and we put together a participation guide that was extremely low friction, really easy for people to pick up. It had all the little social media things that people needed, all the links, example tweets to do, um, and just sent it out into the world. And then we had you know, thousands and thousands of uses of the the hashtag during the Love Indies campaign period, which was a, a week the first year, two weeks the second year. And um, it had some really amazing effects, like a permanent change to Itch, where mm-hmm. um, Leaf from Itch had seen the campaign and created a tool which surfaced any games that in your library that you'd interacted with but never left a review with. Um, so it made it really, really simple for people and just everybody got a glut of these reviews and all the developers were so happy to see people reviewing their stuff um it just gives you such a boost honestly we've just reached a thousand reviews on sunless skies and we practically had a party that's yeah those are great numbers and can you can you explain for uh listeners who might not understand uh like why is the number of reviews so significant for game developers it's it's significant for morale (laughs) (laughs) Mm-hmm. <laughs> we slave away we slave and we just want to know sure. we just want to know what you think but um it, it feeds into what i would call the health metrics of your store page mm-hmm. um i say when you start marketing your game you should start with the store page no amount of stuff that you do to drive people to your store page will sell your game if your store page sucks mm-hmm. so um when you put it up go back to it every two weeks review it change things tweak stuff um we were named a game of the year recently by a couple of wonderful outlets so i've put that on a bit of artwork and slapped it on the store page your store page has to look healthy and alive and a contributing thing to that is is review numbers on steam particularly it's the the sort of um I don't know what they would call it, the review descriptor, like overwhelmingly positive or or very positive or mixed. Heaven mm-hmm. forbid, mixed. Oh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Thank Can you, imagine. Text. Kiss yeah. of death, mixed. Yeah. Um, Just give me a negative. At least that's <laughs> <my interest. laughs> but, and, and maybe mixed makes people read the page a bit more like, ooh, maybe. But yeah. what you really want is overwhelmingly positive, yeah. um, which is extremely hard to get. You have to have something like 100, recent, 100 reviews in the last three months and they all it has to be 95 percent or more positive which we have at the moment which is really nice um on sunless skies at least uh but the rest of the health of your page is like can people understand your capsule image 
when they look at it, do they understand the vibe of what they're getting? Do they get the genre of your game from what you're putting on there? Genre is so important to convey. It's, it's not... Uh, People think about, well, oh, I want to put something on telly. I want to watch something. I want to watch a comedy. Or I want to watch a thriller or something, a crime drama. And you can tell from the pictures of these TV shows on Netflix what they are, what type of show they are, you mm -hmm. know. But people, I don't think, recognize that when it comes to pitching their games on platforms. Um, so selling the genre and getting, like, the actual verbs that the player is doing and using every bit of the page. Like, I do... Um, steam store page reviews or store page reviews every wednesday when i'm on the train to london and mm -hmm. i do looking at other people's pages and just going through all these things and so many times people have not been specific enough to describe their own game in their own tone of voice they haven't given enough imagery they haven't given enough sense of genre and just a few changes of word brings the like the health rating of the page up uh, and it just raises people's confidence to buy. People look at your page every day and they decide right then, is this something I want to buy or not? And yeah. if you're like, oh, I just haven't updated my page in like a month, then people are going to look at it and think that it's crap. <laughs> Hard truths with Flynn today. Yeah. But uh, you have to kind of give yourself a recurring task to look at that and treat it as like, it's the shop front. It's the book mm -hmm. jacket for your game. It's so important. How how often do you update uh, pages for fail better games? Yeah, for Skies I do every couple of weeks or every time I have a new bit of news like um, any game of the year placements or stuff like that. Um, for Sun to see a little bit less now because it's five years old. Mm -hmm. But I will definitely be reviewing that for the fifth birthday, which is coming up in February. Oh, wow. Uh, for Steam page and like kind of see what works and what graphics you want up there and stuff like that, is that somewhere we're having an established community or like a Discord you have regular interactions with kind of comes into play where you can bounce ideas off of them or solicit feedback directly from the community? A little. Um, it's a bit of a curse of knowledge type thing, double-edged sword. Um, the closer they are to you, the more they want to be kind to you so they probably would not tell you if there were lots of problems with your page. Um, but we have done, for example, we use SurveyMonkey, we make surveys. Um, we had some capsule art for Sunless Skies that really wasn't doing the job for us. So we made a survey where we put together four different variants and we sent that out both to people who knew what we were doing and people who never heard of our stuff. And um, it really helped us figure out that the what we had was too complicated. Um, and we had um, some options that were like a lamppost in space, a Victorian lamppost in space. And all the people who knew our work was like, yeah, fall in London, I get it, <laughs> nice. And all the people who didn't know what we did, we had way too much percentage of those people say, I don't know what I would be doing in this game. I don't know what it is. So now it's literally a whacking great train in space. It's a steam train in space and it's flying. It's coming right at you and it's got a beautiful serif font. It says sunless skies and it says literary and it says fucking space train. <laughs> <laughs> and it's the best damn looking space train image on steam. I made sure of it. So that's that was the, the answer was, oh, I know what I'd be doing in that game. I'd be driving a train around in space. That's cool because trains are cool trains are cool i imagine it's kind of yeah. a similar issue for like when you're writing something you're too close to the topic and you hand this to someone who's never 
interacted with games before maybe and they're like i don't know what any of these words mean yeah there is there a similar trap for like game development and game marketing where you have to kind of have these fresh eyes or make sure you're not using the terminology too much to have a wider appeal oh yeah there's i mean this is something that kind of comes to me often because of my past doing marketing for other stuff that we have quite an insular situation certainly with pc gaming and and the the way that we put together our pages for these games where you can say things like can you just say this game is a turn-based rts and people who already play that kind of game and like it will go cool i'll have that that looks great but if there are people out there who would enjoy playing whatever that is uh, but would not know what that meant at all and that that jargon wall is so hard in games Mm -hmm. and i'm never sure where my job ends is my job going to be to sell these games to people who right now don't even have a steam account is that it or am i selling to the steam user and i think part of that conflict comes from the fact that fall in london is the most accessible game possible you play it in a web browser you can play it with a screen reader so the 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 makeup of people who play Fallen London is extremely broad. Ages, you know, 10 to 80. All manner of gender types, all manner of everything. And that is not the Steam audience. So Mm. I'm always pulled one way and the other because we have these people who really love what we do, but they've never played a a real-time game where you have to control something using Wasad, and they don't want to really play that, but they really want to get more of our stories. So that's just like, yeah, that's a point of challenge for me all the time. Is there a kind of similar conflict where you have your, when you've been working in the same IP for like a decade now, uh, trying to make things and market in a way that appeals to the people you already have in your ecosystem versus the people who are out there and trying to get new players in? Yeah, it's hard that. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard. And Sunless Guys is a sequel. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a sequel. Um, we we did a lot of work to make Sunless Skies much easier to get into than Sunless Sea, which was extraordinarily punishing to the point of being completely obfuscated um, in the first couple of hours to a lot of players. It was too difficult, just immediate nope. Um, mm. So Sunless Skies has way better onboarding, and we've definitely done a lot of work then that translates to more sales of Sunless Sea. After people have tried Skies, they're ready to go get more of the stories and kind of put up with the fact that Skies the Sea is harder. Um, but I'm looking forward to doing stuff that is not a sequel for the in the in the near future in the in the medium to <laughs> yeah. near future. That's going to be pretty cool. Cool. Uh, the the way that you talk about you know your uh, your career at Fail Better and just talking to us right now, so much of it is injected with this knowledge of your community. It just makes me feel like. Uh, you are so in tune with the kind of audience that you want to reach. Uh, so my question is, you know, how do you even begin to build a community around a game and how do you nurture that community and, and help it grow as time goes on? I think with a, with a strong perspective and what you might call a super objective. So it comes back again to being specific. Mm-hmm. Um, like we recently launched our own Discord having kind of crouched on the shoulder of a community discord for a while um and we we invited people over and we had set it up in a way that was very surprising to them in a lot of ways 
because that's our specific way of doing things and that's the vibe that you get when you come to us and uh, a couple of examples we have a channel where you can self-assign pronoun roles really important to our community that they are able to um, be recognized for the gender that they are so you can assign roles that are sort of based loosely on the ones you get in fallen london and it's cute we also mm-hmm. banned memes um, oh, good wow. work yeah that's awesome i feel like really good about it <laughs> but um the people were aghast people i mean it took about 24 hours for people to sort of go oh well, okay you know whatever um yeah. but the fact that we've banned memes which sets us apart i think from literally every other discord i've ever looked at and i did lots of research mm-hmm. um it it that is a statement of intent and it is specific to fail better it it encourages people to have conversations about other stuff without pulling on you know just the latest meme that it might be something that half of the other people in the channel get and you get to feel smart by sharing it but not that smart really because you're sort of alienating people it's brought people back in from the community who'd left other spaces because they felt just excluded that they didn't understand what was happening because they weren't like deep into meme culture and instead we've been talking we were retelling norse myths and we've gone through a whole big recommendation thread about web comics and about russian literature and all these things that are so idiosyncratic and true to what fell better offer um people who have literary interests people who have a huge amount of interest outside of games and mm-hmm. they're still happy to be in our discord um what was the other thing i said specificity and something else i was very clever when i said it i'm sure <laughs> yeah we'll just uh you know our listeners can just rewind it and uh <laughs> that other thing do that yeah. as well yeah the other thing it's but yeah i mean i'm, I'm just talking about the uh you know cultivating your community and you know how, how do you feel people end up entering your community like why does somebody come to your discord channel or why does somebody want to be a part of it that's a really good question i think because it is safe and because it is different mm-hmm. um you can be yourself there uh in in a way that a lot of other not high toxicity necessarily but really highly online meme literate yeah fast velocity kind of communities can be quite off-putting um and to the extent where i think a lot of people just feel like discord as as a general thing isn't for them um yeah or the way i feel when i'm watching like a live stream with a lot of people just going face 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 on twitch like oh my god this is this is not for me um and in terms of people, how people find us, there's a really interesting phenomenon with Fallen London that Ascender Sea obviously brought in a lot of players to Fallen London as a persistent game, but we still have people being referred in from TV tropes, hmm. or people discover it via browsing TV tropes, or really once every six months there'll be like a free games you can play on your lunch break thread on Reddit, and Fallen hmm. London will get voted to the top, and then we'll get a few thousand people join from that. Um, which is just extraordinary Uh, when I think of the longevity of Fallen London but it's formed like a huge part of people's lives it's for a small number of people like they check in every day you spend you spend actions in the game to read stories and there's some people are planning a year ahead of what they're going to play they are 
grinding out a um, a vial of Hesperidian cider, which is sort of immortality juice, which people the it would something you spend every action on for a year. So they oh. join the community for something to do <laughs> while yeah. they're doing that. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, and that's one of the uh, obviously one of the big um, challenges today is you know there's so many games out there and people are talking about discoverability. So, mm. uh, you know, what's what's your view on today's marketplace and how do you, you know, you've talked to, you've talked some ways that you've done it, but what's your view on discoverability and, and being effective at getting your game in front of potential customers? Yeah, it's much harder than it used to be. And yeah. I think that's you know the entry level thing to say about it, isn't it? Really, but it bears repeating. Um, choosing the space that you want to be in is probably the toughest decision. Like making sure you have the product that will succeed in the place, hmm. you know, and and then being lucky or or fortunate or timely enough to get an exclusive somewhere that someone will pay you for that could set you up for a long time apple arcade this year has secured the next year's development for tons of studios yeah. out of nowhere um or an epic exclusive or uh i think the tightening up of discoverability means that people just need to have commensurate ambition for what they're trying to do um being able to sustain what you're doing making it sustainable as 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 like your first point of business is much more important than it used to be and it all ties into these ideas of of crunch Mm. and one big hit and being like a one big hit you you can't look at one big hits and then do anything to to make another one so you have to kind of look at your life like it's really serious stuff look at your life and what do you want it to be like and can you work another job and make your indie game and you know in two evenings a week around caring for your children and is that what you want to do and does it really make you happy Hmm. um i think that's that's the questioning that the like the democratization of the tools and platforms has led to not that i want to put anyone off doing it (laughs) but just to be real be real with yourself um and don't hurt yourself like we are so we won the best places to walk work award uh this year and in 2017 and we that we are sort of more proud of that than we are even of our games um, mm. We want people who are healthy and happy to come in and they don't dread work on a Sunday night and the work works for their life. That's what we really want. And to keep yeah. doing it, that's the that's the key. Yeah, absolutely. Do uh, something that make you makes you happy. It seems like this weird novel uh, idea when you frame it that way, but there's a lot of just kind of chugging away and like making yourself miserable for this thing that you think is going to be this hit or make you happy or whatever, but you have to think day to day rather than like the grand picture kind of. Yeah, basically. You've only got so many hours on the planet. Mm-hmm. Like, what do yeah. you want to spend them doing? All of, our, all of our podcasts get kind of existential at some point. Yeah. It's about the 40-minute mark every time. Yeah, it's well, always around the 40-minute mark. We've cleared all the chaff now, gang. Here's the wheat. Yeah. <laughs> Let's do this. Well, we, we are starting to get... Uh, 
get to the end of our time here. I do want to ask, uh, because I think this is kind of a practical question, uh, what have you found that um, have been some of the most effective tools for you as a marketer of games? Is it like email? Is it, uh, you know, trying to get featured on a storefront, uh, discounting games uh, so that people see it? Like what are, what are some of the things that, that really work that people should pay attention to? Um, collaboration and strategic discounting, I would say. Hmm. Um, the, the biggest things this year that have moved the needle on selling Sunless Skies since it came out have all been um, big sales, uh, targeted sales, and digital collaboration slash events with other developers. Um, as an example, the publisher Fellow Traveller put together an event on Steam, within Steam, called Ludo Narracon. L- mm-hmm. Ludo, yeah. you know, narrative game con. Um, and it was a bunch of their games that they publish and a handful of, of um, other people who applied for it. I saw it on Twitter and I applied for it. Another po- important reason to be on Twitter because you, you find these things. Um, and that was like a three-day sale where we committed to streaming um, a live stream of our game on our page. And uh, that was on the front page of Steam in the carousel with uh, with other stuff. But it had live features, it had live streaming features, and it had discounts. And we were, I think, one of like 16 featured games. Mm. But we were giving something to get that really fantastic placement and really like targeted specific niche. Um, And we also have done like similar things with a slightly more altruistic bent. Like we were part of a steam um, sale around uh, the charity war child who helped children in Mm. conflict do a big thing around armistice day in November. So we created content within summer skies uh of an urchin a young person who had lost her parents in conflict and was the star-worn urchin who'd seen too much of the skies and just wanted to hide away on your ship and she could become your ship's mascot and because we generated that and came up with that again in line with the kind of stuff i'm talking about charitable um and despite having a game set in victorian times we do not just let children get tortured and messed around in our games it's one of the content tenets that we had so she's a really optimistic character um she's not in a workhouse or something which you'd often get in these slightly more bleak victorian based Mm -hmm. games um and that enabled us to get some visibility around that sale and then we also raised money for charity um so yeah and and i realize i'm saying all these things and it is contingent on having someone at steam who listens to you Um, not everyone has that but collaborating with other people who are are at a similar level to you or a slightly more aspirational level than you is a really good way to reach new audiences we're in a couple of bundles now um, across different publishers which makes our game appear on the the steam pages of other games in a way that we control um, and not just algorithmically which is pretty cool Um, so those are the big those are the big successes for us yeah well i mean you talk about um, I mean, you just mentioned, of course, like you have these relationships, but I mean, fail better was at one point, you know, you said you were employee number eight, um, and you got to start somewhere. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's not like it's uh, unattainable to gain these important relationships with platform holders and, and whatnot. No. And I think you just have to, 
I think a big part of what makes us look legit in the eyes of these platform holders is how much we care about our presence on their platform. Mm-hmm. Um, for Steam particularly, we are sort of Steam first. You know, we're porting Sunless Skies next year, um, but we developed it with Steam audiences in mind and started there. Um, and we play the game. You know, our page is gorgeous. It looks great. It's literary. It's a quality prestige sort of a game. Um, that's what people want to see. Um, it matches up with their kind of aspirations for the platform, I feel. Um, it's something that you could put on itch with a really interesting indie aesthetic mm-hmm. and uh, like, you know, some really traditional interactive fiction with no walking or anything. Like, mm-hmm. that's perfect for that platform and that will really energise that audience. So set it all up over there and and see how you get on there. Like, tailor what you're doing to the space. Yeah. Yeah, it seems like a theme there, being specific and tailoring it for uh for the space. Uh so is there any 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 parting thoughts before uh before uh we uh let you go? You're you're in the UK and uh, Yeah, it's you're my up. bedtime. Yeah, it's it's bedtime. <laughs> uh, it's not even late. I'm just a parent. <laughs> oh yeah, I mean me too. I I get it. Uh, yeah. yeah. Is, is there any, any parting thoughts, uh, you know, tips for, uh, for indies who are kind of trying to get their bearings, uh, marketing in this really tumultuous, tumultuous and, and difficult marketplace? Just do something now, do mm-hmm. something now. Cause it's the same thing as prototyping. You don't, you don't know what the fin- finished product will look like and how it will behave until you've tried something. And then there's a lot of, um, paralysis in the face of oh god i don't even know you know what should i what should i tweet like mm-hmm. what did you work on today that would make a funny or interesting gif that is in reasonable shape that you don't mind showing to people tweet it tag it indie dev hour show it to someone you know begin by doing begin by doing and don't sit on your laurels because you need that you need that cultivation time ahead of you all right. That sounds like a great place to stop. And uh, thank you so much for joining us, Hannah. And, thank you for having uh, me. Yeah, of course. And best of luck with all your future endeavors. Thank you. And we're back. That was a great conversation. Oh yeah, that was. Uh, marketing's wild. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it's it's difficult. Just the attention span of people, uh, you know. And it's, I mean, it's me too. I'm not criticizing people for having the attention span of a of a butterfly these days. I'm the same way. It's just we're we all get pulled in so many directions now. Uh, even when I'm playing a game, I notice that I get distracted by other games. Yeah. And then especially I go and start last. playing another game. Do you do that? Yeah, especially the last like month of the year when I'm like, oh, I want to do my Goatee List stuff. Oh, uh, but this game looks really cool. Oh, but what if I play Red Dead Online for five hours every day instead? And like, it's... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know. Um, I keep getting distracted by these these older games. And, it, you know, it like Destiny 2. I am randomly decide to get back into Destiny 2 when I need to be catching it's good up. Now. Well, it was good before, but like they did a lot of good changes recently, so you're going to be hooked. Yeah, I know. I like it. 
Yeah, Damn, but that's not out. a 2019 game. Shadowkeep <laughs> came out. Uh, I guess. I guess that you can kind of. That that's why like it's it's difficult with uh, these end of year lists. Like, you know, press outlets. We kind of. Uh, I think we should keep on doing it to recognize, you know, the new things that come out every year. But we do it as a kind of tradition and a tradition that you know i as an editor i sometimes question the value of it because people do play you know we there's so many live games now like what's a 2019 game uh and is a game disqualified uh for this reason or, or that or the other well i always found like and i think every year i've written a game of the year list for gamma sutra i've gotten hitman on there i don't think it's going to be on there this year but i'll figure it out so <laughs> you'll but find like, a way it's to because of like live there. games and like oh i will uh, and there's just like yeah games are they aren't this like one-time event anymore the entire landscape has changed yeah yeah and a game that might have launched this year that stinks um might be good next year you, you know it might be great yeah. next year and uh, what they just missed the boat on, you know, the accomplishments that you know that they like, got. Uh, Ubisoft's Rainbow Six Siege was like it, when it launched, like in twenty fourteen. I don't go on bad with years. When it launched several years ago, it was like a shadow of what it is now. It wasn't yeah. that great, and now like that game is doing really well. It's got a solid community. It was up for a certain an award at the Game Awards because they recognized in that way that games are kind of like this process that evolves beyond a launch especially when you take as good care of it as like ubisoft has mm-hmm. and they're they're really good yeah. at that yeah and to segue this back into marketing discussion with hannah marketing yeah i mean that is marketing <laughs> live games like it's like there's so much marketing involved with these games that are updated constantly and you know feel better um they also update their games regularly uh they're living if you will, and uh, well, and while the games are living, the Steam pages for them are kind of like evolving in a similar way as well, where that yeah. process never really stops; it just changes. Yeah, yeah, and you know, it's been like this forever. I feel like uh, with indie games in particular, um, people don't, you know, they just don't market their their games enough, or they don't, uh, you know do it with the same kind of intention that Hannah does. I mean, she clearly does her research, um, like deep research on the audience, on what they want, uh, how to better serve them, how to expand your audience. She talks about, uh, you know, the, the store page, which seems like an obvious thing. Uh, people know that they should have a store page and they're going to have a store page, but what makes a good store page? You know, when you Google a game's name its title uh that's what you come across the you know the steam steam page or the 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 main page it's for not the, just a placeholder it is an advertisement for the product you're trying to release and yeah it's easy to forget that yeah and one and, of like there were oh go ahead sorry no i was just gonna say that the people who are googling you know the game in particular um the they're already aware of it you know or else they wouldn't be googling the name of the game so they're they're finding that they're, they're already close you know, to being part of your community, to being uh, converted into a customer, they're that close. And then they get to the page and then, you know, they might just be like, nah, as we said during the, the broadcast, the interview, <laughs> nah, nah, yeah. nah. There were, there were like a lot of, a lot of takeaways that I didn't write down fast enough because my keyboard's loud, but uh, 
one of like the the fact that like marketing should be a day one mm-hmm. part of the development process is something that like I think I, I it's not the easiest thing to wrap your head around um, because what am I going to do day one? But she had some very good advice for what you should do in those early stages. Uh, but otherwise, it can be too easy to kind of be like, okay, well, I'm going to work on my game. And then now that I have something shippable, I'm going to start, now that it's ready to go, I'm going to start getting attention on it. And like, you can't segment the process like that. No. And she had a lot of really good advice on how to kind of bring that process together and weave marketing throughout every step of the development process, which was nice. Yeah. And... I hear similar stuff from other people who market games, particularly indie games. You know, uh, it's funny because, you know, I keep an eye on the Steam charts and sometimes it'll be like, this number one game just came out of nowhere. It's like, then you Google it. It's like, oh, it didn't come out of nowhere. They've been doing like, they've, they've been cultivating this community on Reddit for the past two years three years so there is like this perception among some developers that oh this game just came out of nowhere like they must have you know gotten linked somewhere or got lucky they had or a just, good idea and it took off on its own yeah it took yeah. off on its own which i i can't think of a case um i guess if i thought hard enough i could think of like <laughs> that, like a, an exception but it's usually like you know when you see that quote unquote out of nowhere hit on steam number one uh do yourself a favor and google the name and then find the reddit page (laughs) like (laughs) that's been there for like three years that has crap loads of followers Mm -hmm. and uh and then you'll see that and learn from that yeah yeah absolutely uh so yeah, the, let's talk about like the end of end of year stuff real quick. End of year stuff. Yeah, we were planning things earlier than we did last year. Yeah, so I'm very yeah. <laughs> happy with how the team's going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For for Gamma Sutra, we we do uh, uh, our end of year lists, and uh, yeah, we. Uh, I'm also pushing back a little bit when we're going to publish these. We're going to do it, some of the big ones properly. We're going to wait until the end of the year, just in case something comes right before the stroke of midnight <laughs> on New Year's Eve. If a game comes out and it's just like mind blowing, and then we can laugh at everybody who did published their year. list too early. Someone did that last year where everyone was like, "All right, I got my list ready to go," and then the next day, some really cool indie dev published some really cool game, and I'm like, "Ah, yeah, that'd be uh, that's what I would do if I was a, an indie developer, yeah, like <laughs> just a really talented ruin people's one." Game of your list. Yeah, just like release my amazing game right before the stroke of midnight. <laughs> Uh, on New Year's Eve. Yeah, that'll really get those journalists. <laughs> that'll show them. <laughs> so uh. we've got best trends coming up in Kama Future, best events, best devs yeah. of the year, and then best games. Is that all of the categories we hit? Yeah, we're all going to do games, Apple Arcade games. Apple Arcade, saw- yeah. Yeah, I really like a lot of Apple Arcade games this year. There's some good stuff. It's my grindstone subscription, but sometimes I remember <laughs> to branch out a little bit. And I like having narrative games on my phone, so that's really nice. Yeah, grindstone is great. Bleak Sword is incredible. Uh, I will sing Neocab's praises. It's so good. Yeah. <laughs> Dear Reader is another one that is very good. Uh, that doesn't have a lot of like cool like characters or attention or anything on it i think but it's just a really cool like literary puzzles yeah it's really great it's a lot of fun yeah i stayed up until 4 a.m playing yeah it's been interesting seeing the kinds of games that are like being recognized some of them are like kind of what you would expect uh uh, on 
other publications top 10 lists like you got mm-hmm. outer wilds you know that's being uh, really talked about that's a great game i know yeah the first 10 minutes are great i don't have any free time hey you got plenty of time you got yeah no, I'll, I'll get it to it after after my list is written before the end of the year unfortunately but yeah just make sure to play it before the stroke of midnight uh <laughs> years even it can make make your list so yeah i think that that's all for this week for the gdc podcast two more podcasts away from gdc we are two, yeah we are officially two podcasts away from gdc <laughs> which uh i don't know what our podcast plans are exactly but might get a torrent of uh like a torrential downpour of podcasts out of uh gdc during gdc week uh but that's not a promise uh, all that good content there'll be good content yeah, no matter what yeah there, there, there'll be some kind of hashtag content <laughs> yeah so uh check us out on uh, on itunes google play spotify and we're at youtube where you can stare at a static picture and listen to us or uh just change tabs on us and just listen to us out of your computer speakers we'll never know either way yeah you could play uh, you could play a video game that we are talking about on the podcast on your computer uh while listening to it uh, i'm not sure i think my brain is melting it's it's the last month of the year it's the last couple of weeks of the year yeah <laughs> yeah it's just it, it melted it's gone yeah. so all right everyone thanks again cool, and thank you. uh if you enjoy us if you love us uh g- leave us a good review give us a thumbs up on youtube give us a uh a, a five star review on uh on itunes <laughs> I mean, that this is what we have to do, right? That's what Hannah was talking yeah. about. Reviews are important for podcasts, too. Yeah, that's they right. They really are. Please, please like. Yeah, please like. <laughs> Be kind. <laughs> All right, thanks, everyone, and we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.